Good morning. Uh, we are going to uh, start our summer series uh, today, and it's going to be an offshoot of our spring series, Ordering Your Life. And we're going to look at the book of Proverbs. And uh, when Andrew first uh, said, hey, we're going to study Proverbs this summer, I was like, ugh. Not that I don't love the book of Proverbs, but I do have this sort of love-hate relationship with Proverbs, and here's why. It's so convicting, right? I mean, it tells me what I'm supposed to do, and yet I don't do it all very well. And it tells me how to do certain things, and I don't always like to do them that way. And so um, I had to readjust my attitude and think, no, this, this is a good thing, and um, you know, Proverbs is, is what many call one of the most practical books in the Bible because it gives us straightforward guidance on how to live wise and godly lives. And so, true to myself, um, I've entitled this series, The Gospel According to Proverbs. And I hope uh, you've figured out by now that we believe that all of Scripture is gospel-centered and points us to Jesus. And so, you might ask the question as I have asked myself many times, how can a book like Proverbs, which basically tells us what to do, contain the gospel? Well, let me tell you. First of all, we see in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, and it says this about the Old Testament. It says, long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our forefathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, Jesus. And so Proverbs is one of the many ways in which the Old Testament proclaims this gospel of grace. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says that Jesus is the wisdom of God. And in Matthew 12, Jesus says himself that he himself was greater than Solomon who wrote Proverbs. And remember, we believe, again, that all Scripture is God-breathed and used men, and that God used men like Solomon to write Scripture. <clears throat> and since we believe that God is a trinity, three in one, and Jesus is part of that blessed trinity, then Jesus played a vital role in writing Scripture. It's why we call the Bible God's Word, but also why the Bible calls Jesus the Word made flesh. So the words of Proverbs are not just simply the words of wise old King Solomon, but they are the very words of God and therefore the very words of Jesus, the gospel to us. It's the gospel according to Proverbs and how Christ wants us to understand these truths about living a wise and godly life. The book of Proverbs is also God's gracious offer of divine wisdom for foolish and weak people like you and me. Yes, you and I are foolish, we're weak, and we're apt to make really poor decisions at times. That's the bad news. But the good news is that God is a good, good Father who loves us enough to show us a better way, right? The way of godly wisdom, the way of Jesus. And then thirdly, uh, the book of Proverbs appeals to us again and again, appeals to the reader as his dear son, that God 
sees us as his children. And so for those who have been adopted as God's sons and daughters, Proverbs speaks to us words of mercy and grace that only a true father could give. And we are God's children, and he wants the best for us, just like we want the best for our children. And so he gives us these words of wisdom that will help us navigate the complexities of life and will sanctify us, setting us apart and making us more holy and mature as we grow in grace and wisdom through the Holy Spirit that works in us. So as we study this practical yet gracious book, uh, we're going to look at different themes, and you're going to get to hear from Jake and Andrew and myself, and as we share themes that have impacted us, and we hope will impact you as well. So as that, as the backdrop and the foundation to kind of where we're going, let's go ahead and read the first 21 verses of Proverbs chapter 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. For they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie and wait for blood, let us ambush the innocent without reason, like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all precious goods, we shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot among us, we will all have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them, hold back your foot from their paths. For their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. For in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird. But these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. But wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for these words that begin to cry out to us to listen to your wisdom, to show us the best way to live a godly and sanctified life that glorifies you and words that also help us to see that you offer grace when we fail 
And I pray that we'll see the gospel and these uh, commands and these instructions throughout this series, that we'll see your grace that will lead us to obedience. Lord, uh, you are such a merciful God. You are such a good, good Father. We put our hope in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. When I was in high school, I borrowed a friend's car and had an accident, which was completely my fault. Uh, I pulled out in front uh, of someone, sideswiped their car, and almost caused a head-on collision with several other cars. It was not good. And afterward, my Uncle Carter, who had been somewhat of a father figure uh, to me during that time in my life, took me for a car ride. And uh, he did that in order to help me understand that I needed to pay attention when I drove. But the interesting thing he went about, the way he went about it, was that he didn't do it in a strict, condemning way. But rather, he was begging me to pay attention. He knew that if I continued to drive and not pay attention, I might kill myself and other people. And so I heeded that advice. I mean, obviously, I'm 55 years old. It, it, to this day, I, I, I have a vivid memory of that. And although, while I have gotten in other car accidents that were my fault, um, fortunately, I'm not, I, I, it's probably helped me stay out of more than those. So, um, but when you read Proverbs, especially this Proverbs one, you get the same sense that Solomon, or rather God our Father, is begging us to pay attention to know wisdom, to understand instruction, to receive instruction in wise dealing, to receive prudence from the simple, to receive knowledge and discretion as youths, to hear our father's instruction and to not forsake our mother's teaching, to to listen as wisdom cries out in the streets. God is begging us to listen to him and to what he has to say about life and how we're supposed to live it. But why? Why does God want us to pay attention to what he says? Because what he says and what he tells us to do and how he tells us to do it will be the best way to live life. The Bible explains God's will for our lives, but it also explains how God relates to us when we step out of his will for our lives. We hear both. And if you're a child of God and you step out of God's will and you choose to disobey him and these commands and these instructions, or maybe you just simply fail to live up to his standards, I want you to know this as we go through this series. He will not abandon you or give up on you. He will not love you any less. You can't outsin God's love, forgiveness, and grace. You can try, but you can't. Not if you're a child of God. You are permanently in his possession. I uh, 
was uh, on a trip and we had a long flight and uh, I watched um, the movie of uh, The Eyes of Tammy Faye. So remember Tammy Faye and um, Jim Baker, their whole, you know, prosperity gospel ministry and everything that made them millions and gazillions of money. And um, it's an interesting movie. I wouldn't go as far as to say it was a good movie. It was just interesting, I guess. Um, but she had this very strict, Tammy Faye had this very strict mother who was very legalistic and so forth. And um, she kind of called Tammy Faye out on some things. And uh, at one point, though, she says, Tammy Faye, God's love is not limitless. Well, when I heard that, I'm like, that's really bad theology. As a matter of fact, that's heretical because it's not biblical. Just read Psalm 136. And you'll hear 26 verses with the refrain, His steadfast love endures forever. His steadfast love endures forever. His steadfast love endures forever. And while we may be afraid that if we give people too much grace, then they will take advantage of it. I understand that. But know this, God is not afraid of that. He's not afraid. As a matter of fact, he knows that you're going to take advantage of his grace. And yet, he still floods us with it. It's very interesting how God chooses to understand and, and, and how God deals with us, his children. When, when we sin, he gives us more grace. A lot of people don't like that, to, uh, to hear that. But Romans is very clear on how that works. Grace will lead you to loving obedience, not willful disobedience. Our, our men's Friday morning Bible study, we've been studying through Hebrews, as I mentioned before, probably the highlight of my week always. And, and Hebrews 12 talks about God's discipline as a loving father. And as we studied it, we had to understand that the Bible differentiates discipline from punishment. It differentiates those two. Discipline is where God guides you back to the place you're supposed to be and then teaches you how to stay there, simply put. Proverbs 6.23 says, For the commandment is a lamp, and the teaching a light, and the reproofs of discipline are a way of life. So it's not that God just simply ignores our disobedience. One, he's paid for it, past, present, and future, but he's going to guide us back to the way in which we're supposed to live. Discipline. We're going to read a lot about discipline in Proverbs. Talks a lot about it. But again, there's a difference between discipline and punishment or condemnation. So punishment or condemnation is when the final judgment comes on your actions and you are left to deal with the consequences yourself. Romans 8.1 helps us see the difference as well. There is now no condemnation. Did you hear that? There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's one of my life verses. 
There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When I feel that God is mad at me because I sinned again in willful disobedience, I go back to that verse. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And you know what it does? It doesn't push me to say, oh, great, God's just going to forgive me no matter what I do. I'm going to go off and do whatever I want. It doesn't do that. The love and the grace and the forgiveness of God brings me back to him. And says, God loves me through this mess that I've made. It brings me back to him. It's amazing. Because Jesus bore the wrath of God. Jesus suffered our punishment and condemnation that you and I deserve. That is the good news of the gospel. And so, you know, we're going to look uh, at different themes. You know, like I said before, the uh, Proverbs is so convicting. I don't want to read it sometimes because I'm worried about what it's going to tell me and I don't want to hear it, right? The Bible can be that way sometimes. But it's, it's, it's also God's word to us that we should love, fall in love with and, and want to read and study and, and, and find um, the the motivation, the energy, uh, the will to obey what God has called us to. And that comes when we rely upon the Holy Spirit in our lives. You know, as we um, are going to study through this book, we're going to have to, we must listen to its wisdom and trust what, that what it is saying is really what is best for us. And it's like listening to uh, the encouragement of someone older and wiser than you, which is a part of what Proverbs teaches us to do as well. And I would say that whether it's an Uncle Carter in your life or uh, other godly men and women, we need to try and listen and learn and be teachable. That's the, that's the spirit that we have to have when we come to the scriptures. It's, it's something that we have to listen to, right? So, so we study the Bible, but we listen to it. We listen to these words of God, right? So that's, why we, that's, that's another thing that we think about when we think about this is the word of God. God is speaking to us through, his, through the word, through the Bible, through the scriptures. He's speaking to us. And someone, so when one, someone is speaking to you, and they're very important people, like God is very important, then we listen, right? So that, and that's a part of studying, but it's not just that we study to, to know the knowledge of it. We study to listen to what God is saying to us. And we allow it to seep in, to soak into our lives, so that we can live it out, right? So that we can live it out. Um, <clears throat> there are uh, two women in our church that I know I have to listen and heed their advice when they speak. They often come by and talk to me, which, by the way, I love when this happens. I love when people stop by and talk to me. And so here's usually how it goes, something like this. Brian, 
I need to come and talk to you. Yes, Sally. Come on in. Let's have a chat. Or, Brian, I know you're so busy, but I've got a question. Do you think you can answer it for me? Sure, Elisa. Come on in. So these two dear saints, Sally Tan and Elisa Adams, I often get to talk to, and it's, it's a beautiful privilege. <clears throat> they, they come in, and, and it, again, it, it's not, when we talk, it's not a sense of condemnation or you're doing something wrong and it needs to be made right. It's, it's more of, of an encouraging uh, instruction in some ways. Or it's a prayer request, or here's what I've been learning in Scripture, or here's the latest book I've been learning. Sally is, Sally is an avid reader. And, um, you know, it's one of those things where I need to listen to these women and heed their instructions as Proverbs teaches us, and we need to heed its instruction, but... The reason I listen so intently to these two women is because they do two things. Their lives are marked by two things that they do. They study their Bibles and they pray. That's what they're focused on. Those are the people I want to listen to. People that study their Bibles and they pray. They know what God's Word says. They've listened to it. And they've talked to God about it. And so when they come talk to me, I am all ears. I want to know what they have to say. I know that what they have to say is coming from a place of spiritual maturity and is meant for my edification. I hope you have some people in your life that are like that as well. You know, and we never, ever grow out of this. You know, as, as um, you know, as when I was a younger man, I... I ever since I was a younger man, I've always tried to seek out certain people in my life that are older, more mature, more wiser, that I can learn from, that will help me navigate things. And many of you have played that role in different ways. And I, I think we need to do the same thing. All of us need to have people in our lives that are like that, that have studied the Word, that have talked to God about it, and that can help teach us and instruct us. And we're going to learn in Proverbs how God does that to us as our Father, as the one who who is going to um, mentor us along, if you will, and help us navigate this the very complex ways of life. You know, we've had a difficult, not just two years, but the last couple months with people dying and suffering and getting cancer and having all kinds of issues and the continued loneliness of people in our congregation who haven't been able to come back yet. It's very difficult. And we need the Lord to help walk us through that with his word and prayer and one another. So the gospel according to Proverbs is that God will teach us the best way to live a godly, wise, and sanctified life. But when we fail, our heavenly Father will not turn his back on us. Instead, he will run after us and bring us home. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for these um, words of instruction, not just from Proverbs, but from Genesis to Revelation. I pray that when we, that we won't be afraid to read our Bibles. I confess that I'm afraid to do that at times because I'm so convicted of the message. But I pray that we'll have no fear of the scriptures because it can, it really is um, morsels for us to, to enjoy, to delight in, and, and to know that when we do fail its standards, that we have a God, a Father, who ushers us continually back into his presence, forgives us, and continues to teach us how to rely on him, how to continue to walk with Jesus uh, in such a way that we, we live our lives to his glory, to your glory, Lord. That's what we're created for. And so I pray that we'll do that. Thank you again for your grace and mercy. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.